My name is Tim, and I am the discipleship pastor here at Village Church. Um, Michael will be with us next week, God willing. Uh, he should be returning sometime today if he is not already, so you can be looking forward to his. Oh, he is here. Is he hiding? Oh, he's hiding. Oh, he's incognito. Okay. All right. Busyness makes us stop caring about what we really should be caring about. It's not so much how we're busy, but why we're busy. The bee is praised, but the mosquito and fly are swatted. Just think about that. Never get so busy at making a living that you forget to make a life. Busyness is the unrivaled arch enemy of spiritual authenticity. Now, these are just some of the many, many, many quotes about busyness. If you were with us last week, you know that Alex brought a message about how our technology can be used as a distraction, distracting us from the things that are really important in life. Today, I want to talk about how that our busyness can be used in the same way, that we can use our busyness to not think about, not deal with the hard things of life, the important things of life. And just as Alex confessed last week about how that he gets sucked in by his technology, um, I have to confess that I can easily be distracted by my busyness. My family are convinced that I'm a workaholic. I think they're wrong. But if they are right, if they are right, I'm guessing that I'm not alone in this room today. Would you agree? In the same way that we use our technology, sometimes as almost a self-medication, we can use our busyness to avoid the hard things of life, to, to numb us to the things that we really should be dealing with. We can so wrap ourselves up in the busyness of life that we just don't have time or energy to deal with the things that we should. We can dive into the deep end of life's commotions. You think about that, that we get so busy in the commotion and the busyness of the day that we don't have time to deal with the things that we really should be devoting our life and our energy to. So here's my first question for us today. What important reality is your busyness enabling you to ignore? Now you think about that. We normally don't think that our busyness is causing us to ignore something. But I, I would venture to say that it's causing us to ignore more than we want to give credit for. We live in a busy culture, and most of us would agree that we live in a too busy culture. You know, the saying goes, an idle mind, and in turn, idle hands, are the devil's playground. And as followers of Jesus, we don't want to give Satan any foothold, right? Right? So today... You know, we convince ourselves that we need to be busy. Today, most of us busy people, Christians and non-Christians alike though, we wear our busyness like a badge of honor. Look at me, I'm busy. Aren't I special? Here's how it works. You know, I found myself doing this just last week out in the lobby. Somebody came up to me last week and they said, so Tim, how's your week been? To which I replied, Busy. As if I were to say anything else, I would be labeling myself lazy or something worse than lazy. Do you feel the same way? Am I the only one that feels that way? 
You know, we buy into this lie that our busyness really is helping us serve God and serve others. And we as busy Christians, we know that the Bible teaches us that we are designed to work. You know that? We read that all the way back in Genesis. We're designed to work. We're supposed to be working. So work is a good thing, right? Right? Work's a good thing. It is good to work. Just want to make sure. Here's the problem, though. We're convincing ourselves by our actions and by our attitudes that overwork and a lack of rest are actually attractive because they produce results, and we all want to produce results. The problem is that we've also let ourselves move into this thing called busyness, and we've allowed this busyness become the master of our life rather than Jesus. You know, I believe this is a great tactic of Satan today. He allows us to get wrapped up in all the busyness and chaos of life so that we don't really deal and we don't really focus on what's most important. I think that's a great strategy of his. You know, even the medical field, the medical field continues to prove over and over again that we physically aren't wired to stay in this constant state of busyness. You know, the studies that have been done are proving that this constant straight state of stress and busyness in our bodies causes our bodies to release adrenaline. You know, adrenaline is that fight or flight, you know, thing that we really like. But there's a, a number of other stress hormones that are also released in this constant state of busyness. And these hormones actually fight against each other within our bodies. And this constant state of busyness actually is causing severe problems to our systems. You know, last week, Alex used the passage to introduce his topic. Today, I want to use the parallel passage. And so today, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10. We're going to stay right in Luke chapter 10. I'm not going to go outside of that for any real reason other than just for one other passage. But we're going to be in Luke 10, and I want you to see how... Our passage is really set up by what happens just before that. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up and put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, right, right on, yep. And Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this, and you'll live. And a lot of people read that, we get real nervous because we think Jesus is talking about a works-related salvation, and that's not what he's getting at at all. You see, like this lawyer, many people today think that their busyness can actually earn them favor with God. And those of us who know the Bible know that's not the case. There's nothing we can do to earn God's favor. You know, at the core of what Jesus is, is, is talking about here, at the core of these two commands that this lawyer rightly quotes, is something much bigger. It's the heart of making these things happen. And the heart of these things is a deep and personal relationship with the Lord, our Heavenly Father, and with others. You cannot practice, you cannot do these things without a deep and personal relationship. 
So that's why I think that we need to focus on this. When it comes right down to being distracted by our busyness, there's probably no better passage in all of Scripture than the one that we're going to look at, which is Luke chapter 10, verse 38. And sandwiched in between what Jesus, what we just saw Jesus talking about with this lawyer and what we're going to look at here today, there is this thing called the parable of the Good Samaritan. A guy who was busy, a guy who was on his journey doing business and had an interruption. So I can't deal with that today, but I do want to deal with what we see in verse 38. And this is how it reads. And now they went on their way. Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted, there's the key, with much serving. She was busy. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me, left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, are you anxious and troubled? You, uh, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good. Actually, the word is best. She chose the best portion, which will not be taken from her. Now, before we pull out of this passage things that apply to us today, I want to get kind of like a thousand-foot view of what's going on here. So I just want to make some general observations about our text. I wonder, was this a scheduled visit by Jesus and this entourage? Or did they just kind of pop in unannounced? How do you feel when important people just kind of pop in at your house? You get a little stressed, a little anxiety. I wasn't prepared for them. I haven't vacuumed. I haven't dusted. I don't have any food. Maybe Martha was there. Martha was apparently the mistress of the home. I think we missed this. The text says it was her house. It was her house. She is likely the oldest of these three siblings, and it's her house. Her name in Aramaic is the feminine form of Lord. And so there's a little play on words here. Martha, who is Lord over her house, and then we got the real Lord of the universe who's having a conversation. The text says that she's distracted. And this word distracted actually means to be torn or to be pulled in two different directions at the same time. And that's what was going on with Martha. And if you don't know this already, if you don't know the, 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 the backstory or the, the full account of Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, you need to know that Jesus had a very personal relationship with his family. This was not going to be his one and only visit to their home. He would visit them often. Matter of fact, if you know what will happen a little bit later on in the life of Christ, in the life of Mary and Martha and Lazarus, you'll know that in John chapter 11, we read this. Now, there was a certain man named Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And if you know about uh, John 11, you know not only was he sick, but he died. And there is the one passage in Scripture that we read about an emotion 
of our Savior with two words. Jesus wept. He wept over Lazarus. In verse number five, we read this. And now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. We can't miss the point that he loved this family. They were close to him. Remember what I said about a deep and personal relationship with the Lord? Now, when we think about our busyness, we need to go back to the principle that was given in Genesis. We've just been going through Genesis at Village Church. We're given a principle of a six-day work week and a Sabbath, a Sabbath rest. You know, a rest that is supposed to be both physical, emotional, and spiritual. So why do we think in 2018 that we're exempt from that principle? No, that's for them back there in the Old Testament. Oh, that's for them back in the New Testament. Oh, that's for them back in the 1800s. We don't, we're, we're smart enough. We're, you know, we don't need that principle of the Sabbath in our lives. You know, when we think and look at what God is like, we look at Scripture, and all we have to do is just turn page after page after page in Scripture. We see that God is at work. He's constantly at work. He's in the work, he's in the work of changing people's lives and influencing culture. And, and we know that he is at work, but he's never too busy to take time out for you and me. When we read the Gospels, we read that Jesus is likely, or was likely, the busiest person who ever lived. I mean, you just read the stories, and he walks into a town, and man, he gets just bombarded with people. Busy, but never worried, never anxious, never too busy to stop and have a, a deep conversation with somebody. So why should we be anything else? Why should we be busy? I want us to take a little busy quiz. How about that? And uh, before you start thinking about everybody else in your life, this is just for you. Just for you. Ten simple questions. I often commit, here's number one, I often commit to things before I know how much time or energy it will require. Yes or no? Number two, I all, I'm always tired and never feel like I've accomplished enough at the end of the day. I rarely, if ever, schedule a day off or downtime on my, on my calendar. If I do schedule a day off, I fill it with other activities. I have difficulty saying no. No to things and no to people. How are you doing so far? Number six, I'm behind on my to-do list. Or I put things on my to-do list just to cross them off. You guilty of that one? Uh, I think I am. I find myself constantly wishing I had more time. I feel powerless over my time and commitments. Other, others complain that my schedule doesn't allow enough time for them. And here's the real kicker. I regularly feel like I'm doing things for everyone else, but I never get to do what I want. Now, when I first took this quiz, I'm just confessing, I got a 9 out of 10. And then I took it again, and I got a 10 out of 10. So let me give you the scorecard, okay? I'll give you the scorecard. If you get eight to 10 yeses, seriously, did you really need to take this quiz to know that you're busy? If you had a five to a seven yes, you're in the busy bubble. So why don't we just pop it today? 
If you had a one to four, yes. You're amazing. How do you do it? I mean, you got to tell me because I don't know how it's done. How'd you do? You think we all get distracted with our busyness? So let's look at my busy attitudes. Let's do that through our text. You know, people who are distracted by busyness possess certain attitudes that less be a busy people have. So in our text, we can look at the attitudes that Martha had. Some of these are really good. Some of them are not so good. So just let me list these off. Hospitality, responsibility, ownership, doing the right thing, sense of urgent, anxiety and worry, frustration, jealousy. Did you catch that one? Martha likely wanted to be sitting at Jesus' feet, but couldn't. Impatient, demanding. In fact, if you look closely, and if you could know what I know by understanding the Greek language, what is implied in her question to Jesus is actually she's implying that she's expecting him to give her a positive response. She knows that the Lord really does care about her and her busyness. And so she's really expecting that he's going to tell Martha to get off her duff and come up and help her. So really the way we should understand her question is more like this. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? I know you care. So tell her then to help me. That's what's really implied in her question to Jesus. She's almost demanding that the Lord tell her sister. In spite of those attitudes, I think Jesus responds to her in the most tender and kind way, and he uses this double address, Martha, Martha, which demonstrates he really does care. He really does care about busy, busyness. So what about our world of busyness, and what about us? You know, you too might be struggling with some of these similar attitudes that Martha had, about these distractions that our busyness kind of wraps us into, and, and we commonly have, we who are busy, we have these attitudes. So just see if you fit any of these. You feel like no one else understands the weight of responsibility to get things done. You live by the motto, if it's going to be, it's up to me. You demand the right things are being done by yourself and others. You live with this constant sense of the urgent. You see interruptions to your plans as curses rather than blessings. Anybody there? Yes. For you, anxiety and worry are common feelings. You find yourself frustrated because others aren't doing as much as they should be. You find yourself jealous of others because they just aren't that busy. You can't sleep at night or you wake up early thinking about all the things that you've got to get done today. You lived and you have learned to live with busyness so long that you actually think you enjoy it. You have any of those attitudes? Maybe. I bet Martha 
dealt with those same kind of feelings. And yet the Lord is tenderly saying to each of us, you fill in your name. For me, it's Tim, Tim. I'm still on my throne. The world will not fall apart without your busyness. I have to remind myself of that from time to time. Maybe you do too. I think we need to also reset our priorities. So what does it mean to resetting my priorities? What is that all about? People that are distracted by their busyness regularly need to get reset and realign to proper priorities. And in the text that we just read about Martha, Martha's struggle was not what we normally think of about priorities. Martha's struggle was choosing the good over the best. You see that? Which means that Jesus and his companions would have likely enjoyed a good meal and some refreshments after a long day's journey, right? That would have been a good thing. But what would have been the best thing was for Martha to sit at the Lord's feet and learn from his teaching as well. What about our world of busyness? And what about us when it comes to priorities? For many people, this priority thing is really a choice between choosing something that's good versus something that's not good. I won't even say something good versus something bad. I mean, it could be there, but for most people, it's the good versus the not good. But it's not always the case. For more often, what it, what it really looks like for most people is choosing the best over what is good. And that was what Martha was struggling with, and that's where it becomes difficult for most of us. What is best versus what is good? And then we get what is important over what is urgent. You ever been there? You gotta make choices. Life is all about choices, And for some people, this thing about priorities and choosing is the most anxiety-filled, stress-induced exercise that they go through on a regular basis. So what I want to offer is try this little chart to help you set better priorities. I want you to see this. In this chart, you're going to see at the top, you got urgent and not urgent. And on the left of of the chart, you'll see uh, not important and important. These are quadrants that you, if you use this chart that Matt Souls uh, shared with me a while back, and I kind of modified it, this, I want you to notice something. That upper right-hand column is where you're productive. That's where we want to be at most of the time. We don't want to remain in this crisis mode. But often, that's where our life is. We've got something that's important, and it's also urgent, and so it's a crisis that we have to deal with now. Life should be focusing, or we should focus the majority of our life in that upper, upper two quadrants. But here's what happens. Often, we get the non-important that's urgent that is really a distraction. This morning at 4 a.m., we're laying in bed, and I hear the phone ring. But it's not the phone next to the bed, it's the phone downstairs. And I hear it ring, and then ring, and it stops. And I thought, who is calling me at 4 a.m.? Ah, it's probably, so it stopped. Five minutes later, rings again two times, then quits. 
10 minutes later, it does it again. It did that until I left this morning about every 10 to 15 minutes. That was a distraction, folks. Not important, but it was urgent because I wanted to do something about it. But it was like, nope, I got something more important to deal with, which is review for this. Here's the problem that most of us face. It's that lower right-hand side, that red area that's called waste. That's part of our lives. It's the things that are not important and not urgent, but they're fun, right? And so often, a lot of our lives work there. You know, years ago, my dad shared something with me that I want to share with you. He said, son, everyone makes time for what they think is important. And I found out my dad is absolutely right. People do. They make time for what they think is important. Here's how it works. Priorities demonstrate what we think is important. And what is important become our priorities. You know, that's kind of the two equal one another. Priorities equal the important. The important equals the priority. We're the ones that set our priorities. No one else sets those priorities for us. We set our own priorities. But those priorities soon will determine who we are and who we will become. So we have to be intentional about our priorities. We're all given 24 hours a day. We're all given 168 hours in a week. And for some of you, I know you're thinking, 168 hours in a week, that's a lot of time. Hmm. For some of us, we'd like a few more hours. Anyone else out there? If I just had two more hours a day, Lord, could you not just give me two more hours? I could get a lot more done if you just give me two more. Okay, how about one more hour? You know, me and Abraham. When it comes to parenting, think about this. Most of us will have our children for about 18 years before they go off to college or they move out of our house. 18 years. Sounds like a lot of time. 18, 18 years equals 157,680 hours. Whoa, that's a lot of time. Now I'm looking at some that are in my generation. And this is what we would tell you parents in the parenting, parent, child rearing age. Those hours, 157,000 hours, they will go by, by faster than you can ever think. They will go by very quickly. The key is to be intentional with those hours, as it is for everything else. We tell ourselves we're busy, but are we really that busy? Are we really? How much time do we spend doing the things that are totally unnecessary? You know, I've watched others as a pastor. I've watched myself at times, clutter my life with the things that are literally, at the end of the day, totally unimportant. You there? Anybody else there? At the end of the day, ah, that wasn't that important, but I wasted three hours doing it. You know, we watch too much TV, we spend too much time on Facebook, or do whatever, and then we find that we don't have time to read our Bibles. We spend way too many hours at work only to find out that we don't have any time or energy to give to our families. As parents, we put our kids in every extracurricular activity known to mankind, and then we wonder why they don't have time for a youth group or Awana or any things of church. Are we really that busy, or is it more about priorities? You know, I wonder, are we really that busy? 
Or do we just tell ourselves that? Is it really that matter about not having enough time or is it really more about not setting the right priorities? Are we real, really too busy to pray? Are we really too busy to have a devotional time? Are we really too busy to go to church? Are we really too busy to go to a community group? Are we too busy, really, to witness for the Lord? Are we really too busy to serve in our church? Are we really too busy, or are we just telling ourselves that? Let me use this little illustration here. This jar represents a person's life. What is contained in this jar is what we put inside of it. It could be a person's day, a person's week, a person's year, a person's lifestyle, a lifetime. But this is a person. I know it's a jar, but it's a person, okay? Here's how it works. When our priorities are right, here's what we do. We put the important things in first. So our important things go in, the important things that are urgent go in. And then we just keep piling in the important and the urgent, the important and the urgent. And we work real hard and we get them in there and we say that's the way it should work with our priorities. But we know life happens. And then we have things that are important, but not really that urgent. And we have other things that come into our life that we have to add to our life. And so we do. But as long as we put the important things in first, we have room for the things that are less important, but are still needed to be done. Then we have the things that come in our life that we have to deal with too. Things that maybe are not as important, but things that we want to do, and we start stacking those things in our life. And that's not enough, because we have more things that come into our life, so we have to start piling those things in our life. And so we do, and we keep piling those things in our life, and we keep piling those things in our life, and as long as we put the important things in first, and have our priorities set right first, we still have room for more. And so we pour more things into our life. And we just keep pouring those things into our life and pouring those things into our life. And as long as we put the important things in first, it all fits. But what if I were to start by the least important things? If you know about this, it would never work. But we've got to start with the important things First, the highest priority things have to go into our life first. We're the ones that set our priorities. So what? So I've been talking for a little bit about priorities, about attitudes, about busyness, about how distractions can come. So what? If you think this morning I've been advocating that we all should become lazy, then you don't know me. And you've missed the entire point of this message. I am not advocating that we become lazy. What I'm advocating for, what I'm trying to encourage us, is to do the important things, to put the important things at the highest priority in our life. And when we do that, then we'll be able to love the Lord the, our God with all our strength, or with all our soul, with all our mind, and love our neighbor as ourself. I don't know if you've ever played this little game, but, you know, We've talked about this at time 
from time to time. What if there really was a time machine? A time machine that you could step into and you could go 20 years into the future. And then you could meet your 20-year-old older self. What if you could do that? What if you could have a conversation with the older you? What would the older you tell you about your busyness? What would they say? And here's the real question. What if you could slow down just enough to have a conversation with the Lord Jesus? What would he say about your busyness, about your attitudes when you're busy, about your priorities? Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that uh, we live in a time and a culture that is busy. And in spite of how it might have sounded today, we live in a day and time, Lord, that you've allowed us to do more and greater things for you than maybe any other generation has come before us. And yet, Lord, we have to confess that we often have let these distractions of busyness cloud our minds, cloud our thinking, confuse us into thinking that we're doing things that are important when we're really just doing busy things, not in the important things. I thank you that you love us, and just as you shared with Martha, you care about our busyness, and you want us to focus on you more than the things that are in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.